Hey, ass butt. Hey y'all, Rochelle here. And Lynn. If you like our podcast, be sure to rate and review us on your podcast platform. Or share us on social media so more folks out there can join the Idgits and Aspets family. And don't forget to subscribe as well so you automatically have our newest episodes. Hello. Oh. Hey. (laughs) (laughs) It's okay. You've, You've finally reached puberty. I know, right? Good job. <laughs> I am super glad that girls don't have like that big voice cracking change for puberty. Like, oh man, like it's all your, you know, ovaries instead of your vocal cords. So yeah. that's, that's better. I'm glad it's not both. Fucked up for different reasons. <laughs> right. Yes. 100%. Okay. So today we are talking about season 10, episode 14, called The Executioner's Song. I would like to say. Before I get into this, that, uh-oh, there is something on the back of this. What the fuck? Okay, well, anyway, um, I love this episode. I've only seen it maybe two times before, um, but what a what an amazing episode. I mean, it's all Kane. Let's be real. Yeah. Timothy Odmanson is such a badass in this show. Mm-hmm. I, I, I can't get over, and, like, the, like, hotness that happens from this, like, <laughs> older dude like I would say this is like the epitome of like silver fox for me one like (laughs) and it's like it's the hair it's the long hair and the I don't know something about it oh it's good (laughs) stuff good stuff yeah yeah also the acting was uh friggin fantastic I I really I know that like you know Jensen is really famous for his like you know his micro expressions right yeah, like that's like part of why everyone loves his acting so much. But like, wow, he really he really like brought that game to this episode. And I would even say that like Mark Shepard really did a great job with the expression acting as well. Yeah. So, yeah. I just I don't know why this episode I was suddenly like, God damn, these are some good actors. Like, <laughs> I don't know. I was I, it really it really struck me. So anyway. Yeah. Okay. Uh, so we start out in a prison on death row. Uh, an inmate named Tommy is lying down on his bunk in his cell. Uh, there's a prison guard walking down the cell block, banging his stick on the cell doors. What is that stick <laughs> called? I know, right? Huh? Is it a nightstick? Is it still called a nightstick during the day? I just, I need to know. It's a nightstick. Okay, yeah. but like, why? Why is it called a nightstick? Surely you can use that stick at other times. I. I'm going to see. I'm looking. Okay. I was like, I called it. Yeah. I like, I called it his nightstick. And then I was like, huh, why do I, what? Yeah. Okay. I mean, like, I would assume that. Maybe it's the stick you bang to tell people it's time to go to bed. But also, like, that's kind of your weapon that you use, right? Like, that's what I thought. Hmm. There used to be two different types of batons that you would use depending on the time of day. So one was a day stick and one was a nightstick. Whoa. But nightstick stuck. You are blowing my mind right now. Okay. The day stick was only 11 inches and the nightstick was 26. (laughs) (laughs) That's a pretty big difference. I know. 
hey. need to be way more violent tonight. <laughs> wow. <laughs> like, hey, you can't see as well, so we're going to give you some extra <laughs> <just> to, like. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Okay. Wow. Yeah. I have questions. You know what? Eric has a friend who was a prison guard for a while. I'm going to, I'm going to. I'm going to hit that up and see what the fuck is going on there. Because now I want to know all I mean, about your. a long time ago. My dad, I mean, my dad yeah. still has his nightstick from when he was a police officer for a minute. Okay. Wow. You should ask him, like, when did the day sticks get phased out? Oh, wow. I'm sure he's not going to know. <laughs> and what's with the, what's with like the length? It, <laughs> it sounds like it was something that was like a long time ago. Let me see if it says it Okay. Um, in here. Um. Again, with the important questions. You know. I know. Yep. Um, <clears throat> let me see. Let me see. 1880. Damn. Or something like that. Wait, hold on. Huh. Let me just. <clears throat> yeah, I don't know. It, it, it was okay, long time so you ago. said the nightstick is like 20 six inches or whatever yeah <laughs> now these nightsticks that we see on you know on tv and movies who knows if that's accurate right but they're mm-hmm. not 27 inches or whatever Oh, they're decent i feel like the ones we see on the show are like a foot long maybe am i wrong I maybe on the show but like i yeah. so because my dad still has his old one right and like i feel like they're longer than what they look like on tv and yeah yeah okay. yeah Got it. Like, the one that he has is, like, I would say. Oh, wow. That's way bigger. You know, like, they're they're decent. But I think also, like, I want to say some of them are, like, collapsible. They might be, like, collapsible or something. Or I don't totally know. Like, I could totally be talking out of my ass right now. But. (laughs) Huh. Maybe, I don't know. Like, uh, I'm going to say, I'm going to ask if they're collapsible. (laughs) Okay, I'm going to. Keep reading. Okay. Let me know. (laughs) Okay. They are. Uh, Some of them are. Okay. I feel like I've heard that before. But anyway. Okay. All right. Um, Okay. He's banging his stick on the doors. Uh, (laughs) uh, (laughs) We just said a whole lot of talk about inches and lengths of things. Like, (laughs) yeah. Okay. Um, Okay. So the guard looks into one of the cells and then keeps walking. He calls out, lights out in five. He gets to Tommy's cell. Uh, Tommy sits up and um, asks, hey, any mail? I said that weird. Mail? I apparently don't know how to say that. Um, uh, Then uh, Tommy looks out of the small window in his cell door. The guard says, oh, the usual. Postcards from anti-penalty folk. Proposals from your lady admirers. You said you were done with those. Uh, The guard starts to walk away. And Tommy says, hey, how's your wife, by the way? Amanda? That's her name, isn't it? You know, I killed an Amanda once. My fourth. I'd do your wife the same, buddy. Only slower. Jeez. Oh, wow. The guard turns around and walks back towards Tommy and says, two weeks from Tuesday, Tommy. And then he does the whole, like, cutting your head off motion. Yeah. (laughs) I mean, he's like, listen, you can say whatever you want, but you're still done. So, like... (laughs) Yeah. yeah. Tommy yells, yeah, let's do it. Let's do it now, tonight. And the guard is now at the gate at the end of the block. He signals to another guard who is watching on their surveillance cameras to open the gate. So 
So the second guard opens them and we see him sitting in his like security room with all the surveillance screens around him. Back in Tommy's cell, uh, he sits down on his bed. In the hallway outside the cell, we hear electricity crackling. And then we see the legs of a man stepping in front of the locked gate. Uh, the lights suddenly go out. And when they come immediately back on, the man is on the other side of the still locked gate. Um, something supernatural is happening, I think. <laughs> something supernatural. <laughs> uh, so uh, back in the security room, guard number two is making his coffee. Uh, guard number one walks in. We see on one of the video screens that the mystery man is slowly walking down the cell block. Guard number two says, Tolliver giving you the usual grief? Guard number one says, nothing new. We cut to the mystery man. We, saw, we finally see his face. And it is Kane, looking like a sexy badass. Damn. Hey. <laughs> uh, he is walking down the cell block and the lights going out as he passes each cell. Back in the surveillance room, guard number two says, I can't wait till he's gone. Guard number one glances at a monitor and sees Kane briefly walking down the cell block. He gets closer to the screen and notices that Kane is standing right outside of Tommy's cell. Tommy looks out his window and then the camera monitors blink off. Uh, when they come back on, the cell block is all lit up and Kane is not there. The guards look at each other and then shrug their shoulders. We don't need like, to investigate that. <laughs> there's just somebody randomly walking down death row. It's fine. We'll leave it. Like, what? <laughs> but, whatever. Um, so inside Tommy's cell, he is looking pretty concerned. He turns around and finds Kane is standing in his cell right behind him. Tommy says, who the hell are you? How'd you get in here? Kane says, I've gone by many names in this life. The father of murder is one of them. And by the state's count, you've taken six lives yourself, Tommy. Although by my count, it's nine. Oh, come on. You aren't one of those it-wasn't-me type fellas, are you? Because I know you're a killer, just like me. Tommy smiles and says, yeah, I did it. Kane says, honesty. Tommy tries to punch Kane, but Kane grabs Tommy's fist and holds it in the air. Kane says, that's good. That's the spirit. Kane pulls Tommy's arm down to the side, and we get a close-up of the handle of his knife sticking out of its sheath. <laughs> Under his coat. Oh, I, I needed to tell you about the knife sticking out of his coat, but okay. Uh, Tommy says, ugh. Kane says, now, I bet you're wondering what I'm doing here. Did I come to punish you or save you? Well, Kane pulls his knife from its sheath and then whispers into Tommy's ear, the truth is, Tommy, I'm here to do both. Then Kane stabs Tommy in the stomach. We see the tip of the knife come out of the back of Tommy's shirt and a single drop of blood drips off the blade. And then... Kane and Tommy disappear. And we get our opening title sequence. So we cut to the Impala driving down a road. We are in Polunsky. This is Polunsky Unit, Livingston, West Virginia. What? So Livingston, West Virginia. What's the Polunsky Unit? Is that the jail? I'm confused. That's the jail, yeah. Okay, I wrote this super weird then. Okay. Well, I, it took me a second, too, because when it said it on the screen or whatever, it was like, I was like, wait, know. just, you know, yeah. like. Yeah, like you're not like looking at the prison. So, okay. Yeah. Mm -hmm. oh, um, inside the car, Dean says, the Zodiac? Sam says, seven victims. Dean says, Dahmer? Sam says, 17. <laughs> says, That's some freaky stuff, man. It's a whole new side of you. Okay, everybody knows that Dahmer did 17. That That's basic serial killer knowledge, isn't it? I didn't it? know that. But I don't know anything really about, like... 
I I know who he is, but I don't know. I mean, okay, that's fine. I feel like we just came from different backgrounds. <laughs> I wasn't allowed to watch that sort of stuff when I was a kid. Also, I probably wouldn't have been able to handle it. So there's that too. <laughs> I understand. I do. Okay. <laughs> um, uh, Sam says, it's called true crime, Dean. It's a hobby. <laughs> Dean says, no, bass fishing, needlepoint, that's a hobby, okay? Collecting serial killer stats, that's, that is an illness. <laughs> also, I just want to say that it's actually sort of a like, mom stereotype to be into true crime it's yeah. like a real thing right now it's super weird it's but a thing. yeah I, I mean I definitely I know a lot of people who are very into it which is fine I mean whatever like I don't care but like I just haven't like I never I don't know I never really did I I like the like the documentary <laughs> so this is gonna sound weird like the weird cult documentaries those are like fascinating to me yeah. the the killer stuff I'm like eh, okay whatever but like there is the one like the one about like Warren Jeffs or whatever that whole like documentary I was like fascinated with that like yeah I think my mind you know <laughs> I did have sort of like my serial killer fascination phase it wasn't like super in-depth but a little bit you know and um but I would say and I did have excuse me I did have like a true crime you know outside of the serial killerness yeah. for a while but then it and then it kind of went into like too much information about human trafficking and I just couldn't deal with it. You know, yeah. it, was just, it was too much. Um, yeah. But I will say that like the mysteries, you know, about it are are still really fascinating to me right now. Really specifically mm-hmm. like that whole Cecil Hotel and Eliza Lamb, Eliza Lamb, I don't, Eliza Lamb thing, like that kind of stuff really intrigues uh, me. <laughs> that's all right over my head, but <laughs> like a vague supernatural element to it. Yeah. Like, is it that, you know, that kind of thing. I, that's probably yeah. intriguing to me. I mean, uh-huh. okay. Anyway, anyway, Lamb <laughs> is the one with the whole elevator game thing in that hotel that I have to, we, we've been, I think we've even done like research on that. I feel like that's years ago. It was like back in like season one or something like that. I remember. Yeah. So, okay. Um, where am I? Okay. So Dean turns baby into the prison entrance and says to Sam, get your badge. Sam says, yeah. Uh, They pull up to an intercom at the gate. The voice on the intercom says, hello, gentlemen. State the nature of your visit. (laughs) Dean says, from the office of the inspector general, got an appointment with the warden. Uh, The voice on the intercom says, thank you. Parking is to the left. Look for visitor parking only. Dean says, all right. So what are the stats on this uh, vanishing act here? Sam says, Tommy Tolliver was convicted of six murders back in 09, but those are just the ones that stuck. According to the news, he escaped from a locked cell on death row. Uh, This inexplicable Houdini-esque escape. Dean says, so what are we thinking? Some sort of mass murdering magician? Sam says, yeah, or a teleporting demon, or who knows what can walk through supermax walls. Could be in our wheelhouse. (laughs) Dean says, yeah, your wheelhouse, hobby. (laughs) He's like, you creep. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) Dean, uh, where am I? Oh, okay. So we cut to Tommy's cell. Uh, the warden is crouching down, looking at the drop of blood on the floor. Dean says, Warden Skeef? I don't know if I said that right. Sure. Okay. Love uh, it. So, yeah, the warden stands up to greet them. Sam says, uh, Inspectors Moore and Ronaldo. We spoke on the phone. The warden says, Yeah, welcome to death row. Have a look. But good luck finding anything out of the TDJC compliance. 
<laughs> and then the warden leaves. Um, someone's feeling insecure. I just want to put that. I know, like, All right. Uh, Dean motions for Sam to follow the warden, so he does. Sam says, so why don't you tell me what happened? The warden says, uh, the night Tolliver disappeared, our little ship was running as tight as ever, and I got documentation to prove it. Sam says, do you stand by what the press is saying? Locked cell, no security breach, no guard misconduct? The warden says, which press? Mainstream media is calling for my head. Said I was grossly incompetent, but the tabloids, they're saying... Sam says, they're saying it's magic, that Tommy pulled off some dark miracle to escape. You saying you believe that? The warden says, I'm saying there was some kind of magician on the block that night, but it wasn't Tommy. Uh, so we cut to the surveillance room. Sam, Dean, the warden, and a guard are sitting at the monitors. The warden says, that's right before Tolliver vanished. Uh, the boys watch as the footage is played. Sam asks, was that a brownout? <laughs> I just, I have a different <laughs> of what a brownout is, but okay. I feel like it's got to be a blowout. You know, like, <laughs> Me too. In your hair and everything. <laughs> everything, everywhere, yeah. <laughs> okay. Uh, the warden says, that was my thought, but then, uh, and he shows them the footage of Kane walking on the cell block. Sam asks, is that one of the guards? The warden says, nope, but I don't know who he is, how he got in, or how he and Tolliver got out. Dean says, can you zoom in on that? The warden says, can and have. Too dark to make out much of anything. Dean says, do it. And he leans closer to the monitor and the guards zoom in. Dean says, freeze it, blow it up. And then Dean stares at the image of Kane on the monitor and holds his forearm as Sam watches. Uh, we cut to a room. I was real specific here. I have no idea where we are, what kind of room this is, how we got here. I, I know, we're just in a room, okay? It's just a room. <laughs> uh, I didn't tell you. <laughs> it, all right. Uh, a phone on a desk rings. Uh, the screen set on the phone says, incoming call, Dean. Um, also, in the room is a random man tied to a chair. Uh, he says, going to answer that? Cass, who we suddenly find is also in this room, <laughs> says, not at this moment. And uh, we see that the man tied to a chair has demon black eyes. The demon says, you're wasting your time. I told you, I don't know where he is. Me and Kane ain't friends. He kills demons. Low-level guys like me keep our distance. Cass says, you sure about that? And Cass uh, slices the demon's arm with an angel blade. The demon says, all right, all right. He's been seen past few months making passes through Boggs Marsh one county over. No one knows why or what for. Like I said, we keep our distance. Cass says, and that's all you know. The demon says, yes, yes, I swear. Uh, Cass, like, drops the blade to his side. A demon um, kind of hangs his head in relief. Cass says, okay. But then Cass stabs the demon in the stomach with his blade. And the demon... going to do? Set him free? And the demon says, ah! And, <laughs> and flashes out. Uh, we cut to Crowley in Hell's throne room. He is playing, like, a handheld video game. <laughs> There's demons all around the room. And Rowena's are as well. Uh, I'm going to call this demon demon number two, because I guess that first demon was demon number one. I don't know. He, he kind of looks like Sean White a little bit. Yes, 100%. I had that thought, too. Yeah, <laughs> I was like, um, did they do that on purpose? And then I saw him, like, more clearly, and I was like, oh, never mind. But still. Uh, so demon number two says, 86 last quarter. Well, I only get credit for 48. And I was working with Albin on nearly all of those soul jobs. Uh, Crowley, sounding bored as fuck, says, 
If you don't arrive at a point within the next 10 seconds, so help me. Uh, but demon number two says, as a crossroad demon, I have received less credit than I am due for soul collections. My king. Crowley rolls his eyes and asks, so you're looking for a promotion? Mm-hmm. Number two says, no, I'm just asking. I'm merely suggesting that I get credit for the work I did besides Albin. Equal credit for equal work. Crowley says, fine, you can have your credit. Demon number two says, thank you. Rowena, kind of to herself, says, the nerve of the wee man. <laughs> says, mother, you have a, an opinion you'd like to share with the room? Rowena says, oh, no. Private thought, nothing to do with you or the affairs of the court. It's just not what I would do. Crowley says, like, yeah, okay, okay, <laughs> spit it out. You know, like, <laughs> Crowley says, oh, enlighten us all. What would you do? Rowena says, this demon asks you to equalize credit for his and another's work. Split the baby, if you will. Well, then I would well and truly split the baby. I'd cut this pulling, pathetic, grade-grubbing get into literally. Then I'd nail his bloody halves to the door of the court, a reminder to all not to waste the king's time. Whiners beget whiners. You can't re- reward behavior like that. Why, I never gave in when you asked for sweeties as a child, no matter how much you cried. Well, you were a very chunky child, darling. Bit of a bitter. <laughs> wow. Wow. Can you imagine? That was your mother. <laughs> okay. You little tabelard, like, um, excuse me. You know, like. <laughs> right, right. Crowley says, that's enough. Uh, another demon uh, who's kind of standing by Crowley says, what'll it be, sir? Crowley thinks and says, let's do what she said. Demon number two says, what? No, no. Uh, but two ma- demons immediately grab demon number two under their arms and drag him out of the room. Rowena says, that's my boy. <laughs> so we cut to Dean walking away from a food truck. He's talking on his cell phone and carrying a tray of food. He hangs up and gets into the Impala. Sam is inside already and researching on his laptop. He says, so? Dean says, Cass is still not answering. Sam says, great. Well, I've been looking into Tommy Tolliver, seeing if I can figure out why Kane went to the trouble of springing him. Dean says, and? Sam says, still pretty unclear. I did find this blotter out of Orlando about his dad, Leon Tolliver, like father, like son. Convicted felon, fresh warrant for an assault charge, but he's gone missing. Hasn't been seen in a week. Dean says, you think the two are connected? Sam says, I mean, the police just assumed he fled the warrant, but if Kane took Tommy, it might not be a coincidence. I so badly wanted to say coinkydink right there. I should have just done it. (laughs) It's a dink. Okay. Uh, Dean says, so what? Kane's got a vendetta against the entire family? Sam says, maybe. Dean's phone rings. Uh, he says, it's Cass. He puts it on speaker and says, hey, where you at? Cass says, Illinois. Dean says, hey, Cass, we got a lead. Kane abducted a Texan death row inmate named Tommy Tolliver. Uh, we like kind of switched to Cass's point of view. He is crouching down in a clearing in a wooden area in a wooded area. He's holding a white sneaker with the letters TDJC on the bottom of the shoe. Cass says, he's dead. Dean says, what? How do you know? Cass says, call it an educated guess. Kane has been very busy. Cass stands up and looks around, and we see that he is standing in the clearing surrounded by dozens of fresh graves. Dean says, okay, where are you? We'll come to you. Cass looks around uncomfortably uh, because someone is spying on him through the trees. Cass says, I'll call you back. He hangs up, turns around, and finds Kane standing right there. 
Cain says, hello, Castiel. Cass says, what have you done? Cain says, these bodies? Just cleaning up a mess I made a long time ago. Cass says, Cain, I know what you were, but you resisted for so long. Cain says, what can I say? I got the taste back. With Abaddon's army gunning for me, I had to take up arms again. And I liked how it felt. Cass says, those were demons. These... Kane reaches down and picks up a stuffed teddy bear that's all damaged and muddy. Kane says, humans. Eh, the mark thirsts for all kinds. Cass says, this is a massacre. Kane says, yes, and soon it will be a genocide. Kane drops the bear and says, my children, my whole poisoned issue. A lot of them out there right now. Killers, fighters, thieves. Some more peaceful than others, but they still carry it. The disease. If the mark wants blood... I'll give it mine. Cass says, you'll kill them all? You are Adam and Eve's firstborn. Your descendants are legion. Cain says, at most, I'm culling one in ten. Cass says, of okay, but like, <laughs> this is one of my thoughts later, but that's still a lot of people. I'll, again, people. I'll get into that later, but like. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Cass says, of everyone. Cain says, I've got time. How's Dean, by the way? I hear he did good. Took Abaddon down. Cass looks away, and Cain asks, He's not well. Cass says, Even with the first blade hidden, Dean is losing his fight against the mark. If we don't find a cure, Cain says, There is no cure. I'm living proof of that. But don't worry about Dean. I'll get to him in due time. This uh, upsets Cass, and he pops the angel blade right out of his coat sleeve. <laughs> Cain says, Sorry, Castiel. You're not on my list. And then Kane disappears. So we cut to Crowley and Rowena walking down a corridor in hell. Rowena says, Crowley, long day. I'm sure you must be tired, but I've had a wee idea. <laughs> Crowley says, yes. Rowena says, the name, oh, Olivet, means little to you. A high-ranking member of the Grand Coven, the one who led the charge against me. Really, it's a grudge. I won't even deny it, but she's just come back to the States, and I thought if you, in your kingly beneficence, I don't know if I said that right, uh, sure. would be so kind to assist me, now would be an excellent time to strike. Crowley says, well done, Mother. Next time you run a long con, let me know a, a, let more than a few hours of suspicious, entirely uncharacteristic usefulness pass before making your ask. <laughs> Rowena says, you think I had an ulterior motive that I've been manipulating you? Crowley says, you couldn't be more transparent. Rowena laughs and says, well, duh, of course I was manipulating you. I am your mother, after all. <laughs> Manipulation's who we are. Oh, my wee sausage. What matter is it that I had a motive? We had fun today, didn't we? I know, everything, everything. <laughs> it's just... I just love that she calls him her, her wee sausage. <laughs> Oh, like, mm. like, there's so many fat jokes for Crowley for this. Oh, I know. Who also, by the way, not fat at all, but okay. Well, I mean, that's also not his body. That's the thing. Like, You're right. You're right. Like, we don't know what Crowley looked like before. You're Mark right. Shepherd, you know? <laughs> True. Yeah. Uh, she says, we had fun today, didn't we? Crowley says, it was fine. Rowena says, we could have more. Get out of this dump, a break from these foul-smelling suck-ups, flex our muscles in the real world, and in the process, take out a miserable old witch who's been standing in my way for centuries. What do you say? Crowley looks at Rowena and then turns and walks away. 
Okay, so we cut to Cass, Sam, and Dean in the bunker library. Sam is on his phone. Cass says, I'm sorry I couldn't bring better news, Dean. Dean says, it's not your fault, Cass. Sam, and his phone, says, thank you. Uh, he hangs up and says to Cass and Dean, all right, the sheriff gave me a few more names, some preliminary IDs on the bodies. Dean says, and? Sam says, and it seems to fit Cass's story. I mean, there's no way to tell the relation to Cain, obviously, but he's wiping out entire families, one after another. Uh, uh, I, I don't know what I did wrong here. Uh, okay, uh, Dean continues. So who's next? Is he done with the Tollivers? Sam is looking through Tommy's info on his computer and says, uh, I think so. I mean, Leon didn't have any siblings or any other children I can see, and Tommy was never married, so I... Oh, come on, damn it. Cass says, what? Sam says, Tommy did have a son, estranged, who lives with his mother in Ohio, uh, Austin Reynolds, 12 years old. Dean says, is the kid still alive? Sam opens up Austin's Facebook page and says, as of an hour ago, yeah, he updated his status. But, I mean, come on, it's a kid. You don't really think Kane would. Cass says, yes, he would. Dean says, <laughs> he yeah. would dare. <laughs> he fucking would. Yep. Dean <laughs> says, there are old men in those graves, Sam. Women. I mean, you heard Cass. It's a fire sale. Everyone must go. Dean turns to walk away. And Sam says, where are you going? Dean turns back around and says, we know where Kane's going to be. The kid's in danger. Sam says, okay, so what? We track him down to Ohio. And then what? Dean says, then I'll do what I have to. I'll kill Kane. <laughs> I tried to make that dramatic, but it didn't come out dramatic. So, sorry. I tried. It worked. <laughs> okay. So, we cut to some time later. Dean uh, pulls a shotgun off the wall in his room. Uh, he puts it in the bag he's packing, and Sam walks in. Dean says, when he gave me the mark, Kane said this day would come. That after I killed Abaddon, I would have to come and put him down. Sam says, great. So, you're taking orders from a madman. Dean says, no. He wasn't mad then. And we see that Cass is standing in the doorway listening. Dean says, Kane resisted the mark for a long time. Then I came, kicking up trouble about the blade. I sent him down this path. This is on me. Sam says, it doesn't mean you have to be the one to go after him. Dean says, yes, it does. There's only one thing that can kill him. Sam says, the blade. Cass says, Dean's right. Sam says, Dean, wielding the blade against Kane himself, win or lose, you may never come back from that fight. Dean says, I know. Like <laughs> <laughs> okay, so we got to Rowena and Crowley talking in a, I think we're in a hell hallway. I don't know. Maybe we're in a room. <laughs> I thought you said hell hole at first. I was like, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, yeah. Uh, Rowena says, I'll need to get a demon force to get us past her security. Two units of 10 should suffice. Once we're inside, we'll want to throw her off her guard, uh, mess with her head a little bit. So I thought... And Rowena holds up a small, uh, like, kind of dark orange-colored bottle. She says, Rune of Amaranth. Uh, Crowley's phone rings. He says to Rowena, illusion work. Smart. Crowley checks his cell phone, and we see that the screen says, not Moose is calling. <laughs> Crowley says, excuse me, I'll be right back. Crowley walks away and answers the call. He says, well, 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 if it isn't. Uh, but Dina inter interrupts him and says, Kane's back. He's gone dark, and I need the blade. Crowley says, why would I do that for you? Okay, really, why wouldn't you do that for him, Crowley? <laughs> we see through you. Dean says, because you have as much reason to want Kane off the board as anyone. 
Kane has a kill list, and you're on it. What do you say, Crowley? You in? Crowley says, yes. Dean says, good. I'll text you the location. Uh, they hang up, and Crowley walks back into the room where he and Rowena were talking. Rowena says, once she's well flustered, I've got an especially nasty spell to finish her off with. Crowley says, mother, it's not happening. Rowena says, what? Crowley says, not today. Rowena says, where are you going? Crowley says, something's come up. Olivet can wait. Crowley opens a panel in the wall and pushes a button. A drawer pops open below it, and we see the first blade, and it's all wrapped up in leather. Uh, Crowley says, this can't. And he takes the blade out of the drawer. Rowena says, is that what I think it is? Crowley says, not that it's any of your business. Rowena says, let me guess. Bringing it to your wee pal, the Winchester boy. You'd give that to the one person who can harness its power against you. He's a threat to you. Crowley says, we've got a common... Uh, that's not <laughs> He says, we've got a common enemy, a bigger threat. Rowena says, well, if he's not a threat to your life, he's certainly a threat to your credibility. We've talked about what this does to your reputation. <laughs> we've talked about this. Yep. Okay. <laughs> Crowley says, we are not having this conversation. Rowena says, consorting with hunters. Oh, me. Oh, my. <laughs> Crowley walks out of the room and down the hallway. Rowena yells after him. You honestly believe that they're your friends? That they care about you? <clears throat> so we cut to nighttime outside of a barn. I We're probably in Ohio, right? Was that kid in Ohio? I am totally confused about where we are. Um, that Austin kid. Ohio? I think he was in Illinois, maybe? I don't know. Okay, we're somewhere probably in the United States. <laughs> At a barn. Somewhere <laughs> <Yeah>, <laughs> over the rainbow. <laughs> yep. <laughs> uh, uh, Cass walks up to Sam and Dean. Dean says, kid here? Cass says, he's nearby, upstairs in the barn. He's playing with a basketball. Dean says, Kane will strike soon. Maybe tonight, maybe tomorrow, but soon. And when he does, Sam says, yeah, I got it. You charge in with the blade solo. And the kid, well, we just watch and wait until Kane attacks? I thought this was a rescue mission. Dean says, we save the kid after Kane shows. Cass says, we know what Kane's after. That's our only advantage. We want to trap Kane. We use it. Sam says, a 12-year-old is bait. I can't believe what I'm hearing. Uh, suddenly, Crowley is there. He says, neither can I. Dean says, what's the matter, Crowley? You suddenly grow a conscience? Too good to put a minor in danger? Crowley says, don't give a damn about the kid. I'm talking about the risk to us. Dean <laughs> says, there is no what. That's not what he says. Okay. Dean says, there is no us. You're here for one reason. That's to hand me the blade. Crowley says, yeah, about that, seeing as this is shaping up to be one of those uh, two-step capture, then kill kind of deals. I think your buddies would agree it's better to keep the blade out of your hands until we've got Kane sewn up, just to be safe. Dean looks at Sam, who shrugs his shoulders. Crowley says, now, back to this plan of yours. Uh, so we cut to Austin playing basketball upstairs inside the barn. Sam is spying on him from an outside barn window. <laughs> Sam says to Dean, <laughs> So, if this works and we capture Kane, then what? Dean says, we'll cross that bridge when we, if we come to it. You know, last week when I said that I would go down swinging when the time came, I meant that I was at peace with that. I just didn't realize the time would come so soon, you know, like right now. I'm scared, Sam. Uh, so, we cut to a short time later. Austin walks out of the barn carrying his basketball. 
suddenly Kane is standing there before him. Kane says, hello, Austin. Austin says, what are you doing here? Kane says, I'm here to kill you. And Kane pulls his knife out from under his coat. Cass suddenly comes into view and says, no, you won't. Run! So Austin <laughs> runs toward the barn. Uh, Sam kind of meets him at the door and gets him inside. Kane says, you can't stop me. Cass raises his hand at Kane, and his eyes glow angel blue, and light shines out of his hand. Kane's hair does this, like, beautiful hair care commercial glow <laughs> around his Maybe. face. <laughs> it was gorgeous. <laughs> I know. I was like, ooh. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so Cass stops with angel power and looks confused. Uh, Kane points his knife at Cass and flicks it to his right, and Cass's angel blade flies right out of his hand. Uh, then Kane flicks the knife to the left, and Cass flies through the air and crashes into the side of the truck uh, and kind of groans a bit. <laughs> Kane walks towards the barn. Uh, Sam, still inside the barn. Um, no, nope, I missed a word. Sam is still inside the barn. Uh, Austin is, stand is standing behind him. Uh, Kane starts banging on the doors as Sam holds them closed. Uh, the banging stops, and Sam turns around to find Kane standing behind Austin. Austin turns around to face him and says very emotionlessly, don't, please don't. <laughs> Kane looks at Sam and then stabs Austin right in the stomach, but Austin disappears into a cloud of purple smoke. Kane says, illusion spell. Sam says, oh yeah, I know, <laughs> right? Sam says, oh yeah, the real Austin is long gone. Kane says, 18th century magic. Crowley walks into the barn and Kane says, if I had to hazard a guess, Rune of Amaranth. Crowley says, good eye, something I picked up from my mother. Kane says, well, I know you fear me. I can only assume. Uh, Kane uses uh, his shoe to clear away some hay off the floor, and it uncovers a devil's trap that he's standing in. Uh, Kane says, oh, clever. Won't hold me for long, you know. Sam says, it won't need to. And then Sam and Crowley walk out of the barn, and Dean kind of walks into Kane's view, still outside the doors. And uh, then the doors slide closed. Outside the barn, uh, Cass walks up to Sam, Dean, and Crowley, kind of rubbing his head. <laughs> Sam says, hey, Cass, you okay? Cass says, I'm fine. It worked? Sam says, yeah. Dean says, my turn. Sam says, Dean, look, we want to help. Dean says, no, no. With you in the ring, it'll just be a liability. Cass says, Dean... Dean says, I'd be too worried about what he could do to you, or what I could. Plus, I need you three out here to take out whatever comes out of there. And I'm serious. I mean, whatever comes out. Crowley says, happily. Uh, Dean holds out his hand, and Crowley holds up the first blade. Crowley says, what guarantee do I have that you'll give it back when you're done? Dean says, if I survive and I come out of there. The word of a pirate. <laughs> yep. <laughs> Dean says, if I survive and I come out of there and I don't give it back, you'll all have a much bigger problem on your hands. Uh, Crowley hands Dean the blade, and Dean stares at it as red tendrils kind of spider up his hand. Sam says, Dean? Dean says, I'm good. Then Dean walks up the flight of stairs and looks back at Sam, Cass, and Crowley. He smiles at them, uh, not reassuringly. I think he's going for you know, reassurance, but no, it didn't look like that. <laughs> and then he slides open the barn doors and closes them behind him as he walks into the room. Uh, Kane is still inside the devil's trap. He says, hello, Dean. Uh, Dean doesn't say anything. Kane says, at a loss for words, my son, allow me. This is the part where you tell me it's not too late and I can lay down arms, abandon my mission. We don't have to fight. 
Dean says, I'll spare us the formalities. You're past talking down. Kane, you're fully mental. Kane says, oh, I prefer to think I've finally gotten clear. Uh, when I made my bargain with Lucifer, killed Abel, I, re I released a stain upon the earth, a stain deeper and far more lasting than mere precedence. Dean says, your bloodline's tainted, so you say. <laughs> Cass says, not Cass, sorry, sorry, Kane. Cass is just <laughs> always on the brain, sorry. <laughs> I mean, Kane. that's fair. <laughs> Kane says, uh, so I know. Not all killers are my descendants, and not all my descendants are killers, but enough are. Uh, enough for me to know that extinguishing them is the least I owe this world. Can you honestly tell me that humanity is not better off with fewer Tommies and fewer Leons? Fewer yous? Dean says, and what about the kid? Kane says, he could go either way. I prefer to be thorough. Dean walks up to the edge of the devil's trap. Kane says, how's it feel, Dean, to be holding the blade again? Dean says, it feels like a means to an end. And then Dean steps inside the devil's trap. Kane says, then do it. So Dean tries a few times to stab Kane with a blade, but Kane basically kicks Dean's ass all over the place. Uh, <laughs> Dean tries again and again, and finally Kane grabs Dean's wrist as he's trying to stab Kane. Kane says, that seems a bit weaker than I would expect from you with the blade. I think you can do better. So Dean punches Kane in the face. Kane says, yes, you do. Yeah, right? <laughs> Kane says, unless, and Dean punches Kane again. Kane says, you're holding back. Uh, Dean tries again, and Kane grabs both of Dean's hands. Kane says, what is it, Dean? Do you think that if you hold back just enough, you won't succumb? That you'll leave this fight the same as you entered? Uh, Kane throws Dean on the ground and yells, look to my example, boy. There is no resisting the mark or the blade. There is only remission and relapse. Uh, Kane punches Dean down and walks away. Dean coughs and then slowly gets to his feet. Dean says, you told me this day would come. You told me that I would have to kill you. Kane says, is that so? Kane puts out his hand, which, excuse me, which makes me burp, apparently. Sorry. Okay. <laughs> uh, <clears throat> which flings Dean across the barn and kind of through a window into another room. Kane says, I'm afraid you've misunderstood my intentions here, Dean. When your pet angel found my burial site, I thought about ending him and swatting him like a fly. But then I thought about you. Your biggest weakness, the thing I noticed the moment I met you, your courage, your reckless bravado. Dean gets up and sees that the blade is lying on the edge of the devil's trap. Uh, Kane says, I let him go, knowing that he would report back to you, knowing you would bring into battle the one thing that can kill me, the one thing I truly want. They both look down at the blade. Uh, Dean dies for it as Kane holds out his hand, and the first blade slides right over to Kane. Uh, he stops it with his boot and picks it up, and then red lines kind of spider up his wrist as he holds the blade. Kane says, "Ah, oh, it's been too long. That old feeling makes me wonder how I ever had the strength to <laughs> My resist. My precious. <laughs> I know it is, pretty much, yep. Uh, Dean runs to attack Kane, but Kane just grabs him by the throat. Kane says, this may be hard to believe. So you totally just... <laughs> you totally uh -huh. just cut out. I didn't hear anything of what you just said. Oh, what's the last thing you heard? Um, the... Oh, I made a comment, my precious, about it. I don't know if you heard oh, that or not. Oh, that was a while ago. Okay, I'm going to back the fuck up. Let's see. Um, <laughs> I don't know see. if it came through on the recording, but yeah, I did. Yeah, that's okay. Okay, so, okay, so I'll just start here. Came uh, stops the blade with his foot and picks it up, and then red lines uh, spider up his wrist as he holds the blade. 
Kane says, oh, it's been too long. That old feeling makes me wonder how I ever had the strength to resist. Dean runs to attack Kane, but Kane grabs him by the throat. Kane says, this may be hard to believe in light of what I'm about to do to you, but I care about you, Dean. I truly do. But I know I'm doing you a favor. I'm saving you. Dean says, saving me from what? Kane says, from your fate. And then Kane throws Dean across the room. Kane says, has it never occurred to you? Have you never mused upon the fact that you're living my life in reverse? Blah, blah, blah. In reverse? <laughs> <clears throat> uh, my story began when I killed my brother. And that's where your story inevitably will end. Dean says, no, never. Uh, Kane kicks Dean and chest stomps him, which does look painful. <laughs> Kane <laughs> says, it's called the mark of Kane for a reason. First, first, you'll kill Crowley. There'd be some strange mixed feelings on that one, but you'd have your reasons. You'd get it done. No remorse. And then you'd kill the angel Castiel. Now that one, that I suspect would hurt something awful. And then uh, Kane kind of drops to the ground, kneeling over Dean and holding the blade to Dean's throat. Uh, Dean notices uh, Kane's knife peeking out from under Kane's coat. Kane says, then would come the murder you'd never survive. The one that would finally turn you into as much of a savage as it did me. Dean says, no. Kane says, your brother, Sam. The one, bleh, bleh, bleh. okay. <laughs> uh, the only thing standing between you and that destiny is this blade. You're welcome, my son. And then Kane raises his hand to stab the first blade into Dean, but Dean grabs Kane's knife uh, from his belt and cuts Kane's hand right off at the wrist. Uh, his hand and the blade fall to the floor. Kane keels over, holding his wrist. Dean gets up and grabs both blades, and Kane gets up to his knees. Kane says, what's the matter? Dean, very emotionally, says, tell me I don't have to do this. Tell me that you'll stop. Tell me that you can stop. Kane says, I will never stop. <laughs> never. <laughs> Just like that, yep. Uh, <laughs> Dean walks behind Kane, and Kane lowers his head. Then Dean stabs the first blade into Kane's black, and we hear a clap of thunder. Uh, we cut to a short time later. Dean walks down the stairs to where Sam, Dean, and Crowley are waiting. Sam says, Dean. Crowley says, Dean, the blade. The blade is what I just said. I think I just said blade. Damn it. I am struggling. Okay. <laughs> That's okay, because <clears throat> you said stab it into his black, too, which... <laughs> but I said back. <laughs> that didn't sound <laughs> like it. That's weird. I meant that. I'm so sorry. I, don't, I mean, it's oh, no, I, I, I mean, it oh, still no. checks out. <laughs> okay, well, sorry about that one. Okay. Uh, <clears throat> Dean looks at the blade in his hand and almost gives it to Crowley, but then hands it to Cass instead. Crowley says, you lied to me. Dean says, it's not the first time today. Kane's list? You weren't on it. Uh, that's a low blow. Was that even necessary? You didn't need to say that. But it's Crowley. Who cares? What if you need help <laughs> in the future? Like, there's just, there's no reason other to make, than to make Crowley, you know, feel like, you know, hurt. Like, there's no reason for that. Yeah, but like, they don't really it's care about like, Crowley's feelings. <laughs> it's, just, it's just like going out of the way. You don't need to do that. I don't yeah. know. I thought that was unnecessary, but maybe that's just to show where Dean's at mentally. I don't know. I mean, I maybe. Like, and also, like, you, I, to me, I kind of took it as, like, a you don't have control over me anymore. You know, mm -hmm. like, you can't tell me when I can and can't do things. You know, mm -hmm. like, I'll give it to literally anybody else but you. 
<laughs> yeah, I don't know. I was just like, ouch. Like, why? Okay. Um, so Carly te- teleports out without saying anything. Uh, and then Dean kind of collapses onto Sam, who holds him up. Sam says, hey, 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 you did it. Dean, you did it. Uh, so we cut to Crowley walking down a hallway in hell. He goes into the throne room where he sees Rowena with two packed duffel bags. She's just standing there waiting for him. Like, come on. You're so She's obviously. waiting for her dramatic exit. I know. <laughs> it's just like, it's ridiculous. Um, Crowley sighs when he sees her and goes to pour himself a drink. Rowena says, Fergus. Crowley says, I don't want to hear it. The I told you so's. Not now. Crowley then notices her packed bags and asks, what are you doing? Rowena says, what does it look like? I'm leaving. Crowley (laughs) says, another petty manipulation. Rowena says, no. Crowley says, then what, mother? What do you want from me? Rowena starts crying. (laughs) And she says, you can't understand my disappointment or my pride. You don't know this, but after I left you, after I was forced to leave you, I heard of your death, your mortal death. I thought you were gone to me forever. Then, hundreds of years later and thousands of miles away, I find you, the king of hell. And not by luck or accident. You made that happen, all by yourself. You're not a mother. You can't know what that pride felt like, how huge it was. But can you try to imagine, for me? Now, do you understand why it breaks my heart to see what a colossal numbnut you've become? (laughs) You've got the crown, but you're no ruler, not really. A sad, bored wee boy on the throne who will flop ass up the second those Winchesters, hunters, who as soon see, who'd as soon see you dead as have you to tea, ask you to. Uh, Rowena turns away and grabs her bags. She says, you're no king. Not anymore. Crowley grabs her by her wrist and she drops her bags on the floor. She turns back to him and says, you're their bitch. And then she leaves the room. <laughs> so, that was a pretty good exit. I'm not going to lie. That was yeah. good job. Okay, so cut to the bunker. Dean, who's all bloody and bruised, sits at the kitchen table drinking coffee. Sam stands by the coffee maker and pours himself a cup. Sam says, Dean, uh, you know, what you did back there, it was incredible. You know, if you can do that without losing yourself, that's cause for hope, even without a cure. Sam joins Dean at the table, and Dean says, yeah, maybe. Uh, Cass walks into the room. And Dean says, so, where's the blade? Cass says, somewhere safe. Dean says, good. Well, if you guys will excuse me, I think I'm going to go sleep for about four days. Sam says, of course. So good. (laughs) Amazing. I slept until seven today, and I was like, wow. (laughs) That was great. What is this magical hour? Yeah. Okay. Okay. Sam says, of course. So Dean gets up from the table and walks out of the room. As he passes Cass, he pats him on the shoulder, smiling. Um, Once Sam and Cass cannot see his face, though, his expression goes kind of blank and cold. Cass says, how is he, Sam? Uh, But Sam looks so worried. Sam says, Cass, Dean's in trouble. And credits. Okay, so my thoughts. <laughs> yeah. Um, one of them, like, I I just think it's strange because, so, it, Tim Amundsen, who plays Kane, right? Mm-hmm. Spoiler alert, he's only in two episodes. <laughs> this obviously is the last one that he's in. Yeah. <laughs> you know, he died. 
Um, I really thought there was three for some reason. I thought there was more than that, but I looked it up and there's only two. He's only in two episodes. So, so crazy. It's huh. just kind of funny how, like, I guess popular of a character he is when he's not really in very many episodes at all. But also, yeah. like, I guess it's kind of like, you know, John, right? Like, he's not in very many episodes, but, you know. He's sure he's... in more than two, though. I mean, he's in at oh, least more than two. Five. Yeah. I think it's even more than five. I think we're looking at, like, seven or something. Yeah, but, but still, I mean, that's 327, you know, like. Right, yeah. <laughs> pretty small numbers. Yeah, but, but he's mentioned so often that, you know, you do kind of feel his presence on the show. And maybe since we're just, like, saying Mark of Cain so often in this season. It seems you know? like it's more, yeah. Of, yeah, he's more of a, like, mm-hmm. I don't know, not, what? like, he's not a reoccurring character, but still, you know. Yeah, I would have paid a lot of money to get more of this guy in this show because good god damn oh he's doing that silver fox thing for me I don't, I don't know if it's the hair like I just I don't know but I like it like I like it a lot I, yeah uh, yeah I think he like I've seen him in a few other things like even if it's not like extensively you know and I just like that actor and just, I mean him being at like panels and stuff like he's just kind of a great person in general so you know like yeah so I'm kind of like okay you know like I wish he was in more but also it just seems like he's in more so I don't know it was just like a whole thing I had to actually look it up because I was like I'm pretty sure he's only in two episodes Mm -hmm. but yeah yeah, it's surprising for how popular he is right Um, yeah but um so along with Kane so okay if he's trying to wipe out all of his descendants that would be most of the population even if we're going with the numbers that Cass said is one in ten which okay let's think back to this Adam and Eve then Cain and Abel (laughs) right so I would say and especially because Cain killed Abel that Mm -hmm he would have most of the population's descendants, you know, like, I mean, I guess it depends on how much Abel procreated before that moment. Right. But with who, you know, peasants. I don't know. I don't know who's around. <laughs> Adam that and Eve were the first two humans. <laughs> oh, ew. <laughs> I, mean, so, I mean, I would guess <laughs> that that meant, you know, so we're going to go with supernatural. We're not going to go biblical with this. But I would okay. guess that maybe they, because they said in Supernatural, right, that he, that I don't think they really ever talked about Adam and Eve, but they talked about Cain, they talked about Cain being the first murderer, right? So, like, yeah. they don't, I guess they don't really say in Supernatural, like, how many other people are around. He's just the first one that actually, you know, murderized somebody. Um, (laughs) So maybe they're implying that there was other, you know, a handful of other people around or so. I don't know. But yeah, it, I don't know. That's a lot of people. It is a lot of people. Like, even if it's, we'll we'll stay with the one in 10 stats. Like how many people in the world? I'm going to look that up because I honestly don't even know. I don't either. Let's yeah. see. <clears throat> How many people are in the world? 7.888 billion as of 2021. So that was two years ago. So one in 10, man. <laughs> That's just too many. It's too That's many, Kane. Don't do it. Where are you going to bury all those bodies? 
cremation is your only option at that point. Hellfire. I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> like, eh. But anyways, like. Yeah, I get it. Little Hitlerish. Not gonna lie. I mean, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, listen, like he's trying to say like they all have my my mark of Cain, you know, murdery gene. But like how do you know? They, yeah. I mean, I guess I don't know. I don't know. That's the thing like you were different than your brother. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Obviously. Yeah. You know, like not saying that's not that or blah, blah, blah. that means that you know not all of your children or descendants or whatever are all going to be murderers like you. (laughs) Yeah. I think he meant, I think he meant that like getting the mark on him affected his genes. Like, like once he procreated after the mark, then they have, they're like, you know, it's like a poison that's in them, that type of thing. That's what I understood. Well, either way, it's still, that doesn't mean that they are going to go out and murder people, you know, like you can have the genetics for something and it doesn't mean that you're going to like. Well, and that's what Cass was saying. And he was like, I'm just going to be thorough though. So yeah, yeah, not the right thing. But at any rate, um, lots of people. Um, Okay. So (laughs) I think it's funny that Dean still in Crowley's phone is not Moose. Who spent the most time with Crowley? Dean. So you would think that out of the two of them, <laughs> Dean would have an actual name, at the very least a nickname, yeah. that wasn't just, hey, he's not the tall one. <laughs> yeah, I, I think that too. Like, this is like your, you know, your buddy, like, that you have, you know, feelings for in a friend way or whatever. Feelings. I know, right? Like, it's weird that he's identified as not somebody else, but... Who knows? Maybe he did change it during the 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 Demon Dean era. <laughs> I don't remember. Did we ever I see? That? I don't think he did, but maybe maybe he did, and maybe you know once that was over, he was like, "Fuck you, then you're going back to not moose." Like, we just had a spite. I don't know. Yeah. I mean, I agree with you though. I did notice that too. Like, really? It was just kind of weird. I was like, uh, okay then, you know, whatever. Yeah. Um. What was your favorite moment from this episode? <laughs> okay, so <laughs> I was writing this down, and I wrote it in a funny way. Like, I was sort of, you know, trying to write it, you know, in a short way so that I would remember it without having to write up all the sentences I want to say. But I wrote it funny, so I'll just read it how I wrote it, and then I'll explain <laughs> it. Um, I said, my favorite moment is Kane's hair blowing in Castile's angel wind. <laughs> But I meant, you know, when Cass is trying Ooh, to like a foul wind blows. <laughs> and then my brain is like imagining Cass bending over and like she's doing a little poof in Kane's direction and Kane's hair blowing and Yeah. <laughs> anyway, I, I just love that moment because um, you know, I really I just love Kane's hair and to see it just, you know, beauty commercial, you know, wafting around him was delightful it was wafting yes with the wind anyway I just I thought that was it was they did it in such a like comical way I thought that yeah I don't know I thought it was funny so yeah that was my favorite moment I did like a lot of this episode though I would say this is a really strong episode and again the acting was just really over like I just yeah I noticed the acting was especially exceptional in this episode so yeah yeah. What was your favorite moment? Um, 
my favorite moments are kind of mean, but that's okay. But I liked all the fat jokes that Rowena made about Crowley. Oh, poor little sausage. I know. Called him a bit of a bloater. Yeah. <laughs> that one just cracked me up. I never like. It's because she like kind of puffed her cheeks out to show it too. Yeah. yeah. You're a bit of a bloater. Like, a little... Yeah. Pufferfish. You know, it's just so mean. And she's doing it in front of like his minions while he's on the throne. That it's just so like it's so like that classic like bitchy mom embarrassing you in front of your friends, you know? Oh, yeah. Like it's just like, ugh. Okay. Like, what yep. are you doing? <laughs> yeah. yeah. I just thought it was funny. Yeah. And then the, my wee sausage, it's like the kind of like compliment insult, you know, like, oh, my favorite little fat boy. You know? like, exactly. Exactly. You know? <sighs> I, yep. Just the way she said, I think it was more the way she said it than anything. And like, maybe it was just the accent too, because accents make everything funnier, right? They like, do. Yeah. Yeah. I think honestly, that's what it was for me. Like, was it horrible? Yes. Was it hilarious? Also, yes. You know. <laughs> also, if she's a witch, it's not really weird, and she's doing it to a demon, so you can't be too like, bad for him. But no, like yeah, he's he's the king of hell. He's probably heard worse. You know, he probably doesn't even think much about it. He's just like whatever. You know. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah, I know. Like, he just he doesn't even look bothered. Just like a here we go again. Yeah. Like, yeah. And yeah. we're off. Yeah. Yeah. Right. <laughs> but yeah. So. <laughs> That was my favorite moment was Rowena being catty. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yep. Um, so our interesting facts from the episode, it says uh, at the start of the episode, when Cass is questioning a demon, uh, the camera pans past an old photograph on the wall with a photo of a man and the writing. Co- 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 <laughs> <laughs> I have no idea. Congratulations. <laughs> Mr. Riley, fourth grade teacher of the year. Um, the picture is of Matt Riley, who played a firefighter in season one Supernatural Devil's Trap um, and uh, died in 2014. At the end of season 10, episode 10, um, which was the Hunter Games, uh, he was commemorated. commemorated with in memory of Matt Riley, 1971 to 2014. Okay. Um, <clears throat> excuse me. Uh, the title of this episode refers to the 1979 Pulitzer Prize-winning fact-based novel by Norman Mailer about the crimes and execution of murderer Gary Gilmore. Um, Gilmore was the first person to be executed in the United States since the death penalty was reinstated in 1976 after the United States Supreme Court suspended it in 1972. I'm pretty sure we don't have a death penalty anymore, right? Or is it certain states that maybe it's do? certain states. I actually don't know if our state does or not. I'll check. You keep reading. We do, because I feel like Ridgeway would have been <laughs> long gone by now if that yeah, were the case. Yeah, I think so, too. Also, I heard, granted, who knows? I don't know the facts on really any of this. I think he's got some sort of deal where if he, like, gives them information every so often, like, he gets to stay alive. I don't know that. I actually don't know anything about... Like, what's happened to him once he was caught, you know? Like, I've never looked into that. And I want to. I think I will. Yeah. Um, okay. That's what there I heard. Is... I don't know if it's true. It could totally be. I could be lying <laughs> yeah. I mean, down on my ass right now. But I don't know. I I will find out. Um, Yes. No death penalty in Washington State. Yes. Okay. That's uh, and I that's thought. since 2018. 
and he was caught before that. Oh, well before that, yeah. Yeah, but uh, it looks like they have not uh, executed anybody since 2010. Hmm. So, yep. <laughs> That's all I got. Well, you know. Wait, um, wait, 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 there's more. Okay, it was abolished in 1913, reinstated 1919, 1975. I'm I'm gonna not read the history of this. There's a lot. Okay, it's not a thing. <laughs> Lots right of now. on and off again. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Um. Oh, where am I? Okay. Um. So it says the boys used the pseudonyms Inspector Moore and Ronaldo at the prison. Um. This is a reference to Thurston Moore. <laughs> Um, and Lee Ronaldo, founding members of the band Sonic Youth. Hmm. Okay, cool. Never even heard of it. Um, uh, uh, when you uh, when you see Sam look up at Austin Reynolds or look up Austin Reynolds information and birth certificate, his birthday is February seventeenth, two thousand three. Uh, February seventeenth is when the episode aired. Oh, that's cool. Um. So this is a long one. <laughs> So it says the Polunsky, I think I said that right, unit does house death row inmates and has a maximum capacity of 2,984 offenders. That's a big place. That is. Um, some inaccuracies in the episode include officers carrying nightsticks. Um, <laughs> instead, they carry chemical agents and handcuffs. <laughs> oh, my God. Uh, me, okay. I know. mean, yeah. Uh, right. um, and wearing a protective vest over their uniforms. Um, I guess, yeah, I would say, but like, okay, but if they have to use the chemical agents, wouldn't they also, in fact, be exposed to it? I wonder if it's just like pepper spray or something or. Who knows? Yeah. I feel like that would be more dangerous to them. Although I guess either way, like if they carry a nightstick and somebody takes it from them, then you're screwed. But if they do the chemical agents and it gets on you, then you're also screwed. So I, uh, at least at that point, you're both screwed, maybe. (laughs) Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. Like, that'd be interesting to figure out. Um, um, And they wear protective vests over their uniforms. Uh, The officers' uniforms are also incorrect. Um, The TJ... T... Fuck. (laughs) T-D-C-J... (laughs) <laughs> this is getting bad. Patches on the left sleeve and the American flag is on the right sleeve reversed. To display the American flag in the manner shown is a sign of disrespect. Hmm. Also, they show a coffee maker with a glass car- carafe, right? Mm-hmm. Um, in the picket and wire coat hangers. Okay. I what? I don't know what we're talking about, but okay. Um, it says these items would never be allowed on the unit as they could be used as weapons by the offenders. Mm-hmm. Um, Dean and Sam re- uh, presenting as representatives of OIG is accurate as OIG is immediately on the scene in case of escapes, injuries, or death. Hmm. Okay. I would hope that somebody would be on the scene if somebody were right? to escape death row. Like, Heck yeah. or just in general, like, if right. you're not what are you doing? You know, like mm-hmm. they were locked up for a reason most of the time, you know, like what? Uh, anyway. Yeah. Um, so it says when Dean hugs Sam after killing Kane and handing the first blade to Castiel, uh, Jared Padalecki said at a convention that Jensen Ackles accidentally stabbed him in the leg with the silver blade. Um, Jared said he managed to stay in character until the di- director yelled cut. Dang. 
I think I remember him saying that. I remember t- him talking about that at some point. Too. I'm sure he's talked about it multiple times, but yeah. Um, I didn't yeah. realize that was in this episode, though. Hmm. Yeah. Um, I remember him talking about when it happened, but I like couldn't place it. You mm-hmm. know, like I didn't know what they were talking about. So, um, so the last one it says the way Dean kills Kane is that of a clean death, a soldier's death. Um. This is method of execution Maximus in Gladiator from 2000, requested by the Roman soldiers who were ordered to execute him at the beginning of the film. None of that means anything to me. You didn't see Gladiator? No. What? <laughs> there's a, I think we've established that there's a lot of things. That I, I feel like that's that's a movie that you would actually really like. That seems like your kind of movie with like the hot, you know, gladiators. <laughs> I mean, I've seen 300. Uh, yeah, I mean, it's sort of in that. I mean, it's it's visually different because they made 300 look like the comic book it's from. But like, you know, it's it's totally your kind of movie. 100 yeah. percent. Yeah, it's good. I mean, I, like I wouldn't say that 300 was my type of movie. It was just one of those that I. When did I see that? Oh, when I was in college, that was, you know, like. <sighs> everybody would have their little like movie nights or whatever. And that was like one of the rooms. I remember that was like the movie that was constantly on was 300. Like there was something about that movie that they just kept playing and everybody just kept wanting to watch it. Yeah. <laughs> so I movie. saw it like, yeah. I think once or twice, but mm-hmm. um, it was, it was a good movie from what I remember. And I mean, Hey, Gerard Butler. So I was going to say, I think that every Gerard Butler movie is your type of movie. So I would, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I would agree. Yeah. I would agree. So the research for this week. Um, <laughs> I'm sure this is not how it's said. <laughs> it's off of WindyCityGhosts.com. I'm sure it's the old, maybe Jolay, Joliet. I don't know. It's not spelled exactly like toilet. (laughs) 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 It's not like there is a couple letters difference, but when I read it to me, I just (laughs) say in my mind, the old joylet prison. (laughs) 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 I'm sure that's not. not Yeah. You know, it's, it's the prison that the toilet brings you joy that's what I envision just a <laughs> joyful toilet experience and that sounds nice I feel like a prison toilet is never a joyful situation <laughs> maybe there's one there that is a more delightful experience though I that's not in I, I front of everybody else <laughs> yeah oh no I don't know I'm gonna go with my joyful toilet it's fine so I'm gonna try and read this how I think it's correctly called Joliet or Jolay, maybe? I like Joliet. Joliet. Okay. That's more romantic. But if I say Joliet, oh, <laughs> it's all good. I'm sorry. <laughs> okay. So <laughs> it says the old, I'm already going to do it. <laughs> <laughs> the old Joliet prison just outside of Chicago was a site of hundreds of executions and held notorious criminals like John Wayne Gacy and Babyface Nelson. 
the imposingly dark appearance of the prison casts a shadow on the surrounding area, given its sprawling perimeter and neo-Gothic architecture. Hmm. Joliet <laughs> was known for its unsanitary and unsafe conditions, with government officials calling for its shutdown for most of this facility's existence. Meanwhile, Joliet Prison became a symbol for Chicago's criminality, um, being featured in numerous movies, TV shows, songs, and even a poem or two. Hmm. Um, today, the abandoned facility serves as a museum, with historical and haunted tours being offered around the old prison. Thinking about making a visit to Joliet Prison? Well, be ready for some seriously spooky haunts. <laughs> nice. <laughs> So it says Joliet Prison was originally known as Illinois State Penitentiary. Um, the facility opened in 1858, just a few years after Joliet was founded. I'm like stalling every time I see this word. I'm like, don't do it. Mm-hmm. Um, the spooky Gothic architecture of the building can be attributed to W.W. Boyington, um, who also designed the Chicago Water Tower. Joliet Prison was meant to relive, uh, relieve overcrowding at the nearby Alton State Penitentiary. Um, prisoners were used as laborers to build Joliet, and once completed, the process of transferring prisoners began. The last of the inmates from Alton State arrived in Joliet in 1860. The prison was still in use during the Civil War when it housed both criminals and Confederate prisoners of war. Um, in the beginning, Joliet was revered as a model prison, but that quickly changed as the population of the prison swelled beyond capacity. Hold on. <coughs> I'm choking on my own spit over here. You need to drink water? <coughs> nope, I'm good. Okay. Um, it says, by the late 1870s, over 2,000 inmates packed the cell blocks, and the living conditions were unsanitary at best. There were there were several calls <laughs> to close the prison in the early 1900s. Statesville Penitentiary was constructed in the 1920s as a replacement, but Joliet continued to operate even after Statesville was built. Mm-hmm. Um, some of Chicago's more infamous criminals were housed at Joliet Prison. Um, in the 1920s, Nathan Leopold and Richard Loeb. I'm guessing it's how L-O-E-B, um, yeah. were sentenced to life in Joliet Prison after the murder of 14-year-old Robert Franks. Ugh. Leopold and Loeb were two wealthy students from the University of Chicago and had believed they committed, quote-unquote, the perfect crime. According to police and relatives, the two had delusions of grandeur spurred by Nietzsche's concept of the Ubermensch. I think is, I said that right? I don't know. I think it is. In other words, their perceived superiority compared to others allowed them to break the law and act as they pleased without any regard for the consequences. The way. <laughs> uh, okay. It says uh, Leopold and Loeb murdered Franks after kidnapping him on his way home. They took precarious steps to cover their tracks and created an elaborate plan to collect a ransom from Frank's family. So the fact that they had elaborate steps tells me that, in fact, they did not think that they were just allowed to break the law because they wouldn't have been worried about being caught. They would have been like, oh, well, it's fine if they did. it." Yeah, yeah. So, maybe maybe it just means that they they thought they could get away with it because they were so, you know, had such a superior intellect, you know? Yeah, maybe. Well, it says compared to others, it allowed them to break the law and act as they please without regard for consequences. Like, mm-hmm. they're, we're smarter yeah. than you, so we can do what we want, you know? Yeah. Anyway. Uh, um, da, 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 where am I? Okay. Um, it says, after the case gained widespread media coverage, they abandoned the ransom plan. 
Eventually, the clues they left behind led police straight to them, and they were arrested and put on trial. Uh Both were originally sentenced to the death penalty, though they were saved by their defense attorney, who argued for life life sentences. At first, the pair did their time at Joliet Prison. Um, Authorities tried to keep them apart, but they maintained their friendship. They were later transferred to Statesville, where Loeb was murdered by a fellow inmate. Leopold completed the rest of his time at Statesville and contributed to the imprisonment of the overall quality of life inside the prison. Imprisonment. No, I said, I meant improvement. (laughs) (laughs) I read improvement and just said imprisonment, apparently. I got a question. How do they fail at keeping those two dudes apart? Like, you literally control where they can be. How hard is it to keep them away from each other? Um, Do you know what I mean? Like, that seems weird. I mean, maybe things are done differently then, because that was a very long time ago. They might have been in, like, all-in-together sort of situation, rather than, like, actually separated, maybe. Yeah, Um, just, like... says, tried to keep them apart, but they maintained their friendship. So, I mean, I would guess... Maybe they were physically apart, but we're still like, that's my bestie. You know? Yeah, but they were trying, they, like, still were able to communicate with each other somehow or something. Okay. Um, um, it says, Leopold completed the rest of his time at Statesville and contributed to the improvement, not the imprisonment, <laughs> of the overall quality of life inside the prison. Um, he organized the prison library, taught classes, and submitted himself for experimental treatments. <laughs> uh-huh. uh, Nathan Leopold was released from prison in 1958. Dang. Uh, it says, Depression-era gangster and bank robber, Babyface Nelson. <laughs> what a name. I don't um, know who that is, yeah. I don't either, um, was also incarcerated in Joliet prison for a short time. Um, both Lester, Joseph Gillis, um, he became known, or why can't I read? It doesn't say both. It said born. (laughs) (laughs) It's all right. Born Lester, Joseph Gillis. He became known as Babyface due to his youthful appearance and dashingly good looks. Um, ironically, nobody had the guts to call him that to his face. (laughs) Um, Babyface was arrested in the winter of 1931, along with the rest of his gang, known as the Tape Bandits. Um, (laughs) so scary, stealing some sticky tape. Anyway, um, they were known for tying up their victims with tape and clearing out their homes of jewelry, money, and anything else of value. They targeted wealthy people of influence, first gaining fame for the foam foam invasion. (laughs) (laughs) Oh no, for the home invasion of a prominent magazine editor. Um, They even robbed the wife of Chicago Mayor Big Bill Thompson. Um, It says Babyface was was sentenced to one year of life in prison, first doing time at Joliet. Um, This time was short-lived, however, as the elusive bank robber escaped during a transfer. Um, He went back to his seedy ways, making friends with other well-known gangsters like John Dillinger and Pretty Boy Floyd. Um, There's Pretty Boy and Babyface. Oh, boy. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Yeah. His run came to an end in 1934 when he was killed in a shootout with federal agents. Um, Other high-profile criminals believed to have spent time in Joliet prison include John Wayne Gacy, also known as the Clown Killer, and serial murderer Robert Speck. Hmm. I've heard of John Wayne Gacy, know nothing about him, but all these other people, I have no idea. Gacy is the guy who dressed up like a clown. He's also the guy who made, like... I I think this is the same guy. He made... um, 
you know, clothes and home decor out of skin. He had like a whole belt made out of nipples. I, I'm, not, I'm not fucking around. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> I have heard of that, but I didn't know who yeah. it was that did that. Yeah, yeah, that's him. Yay. Yay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> that nipple belt, man, it just lives in my brain. It's very upsetting. I've seen pictures. It's not good. Yeah, I'm sure it's not. Don't Google it. I mean, I'm not going to. It's fascinating and horrifying, but yeah. I trust you. I don't need to. <laughs> okay. Um, it says um, in 1975, the Black Pea Stones, an organized crime group from Chicago, took over a cell block in Joliet Prison. They held several correctional officers hostage and demanded that they not be separated and transferred to other prisons. Um, the organization had gained too much power within Joliet, and authorities were conspiring to break them up by sending the more prominent members to other prisons. Um, Fred L. Finkbeiner. <laughs> <I'm sorry. laughs> I just, I'm sorry. When, you, when anyone says Fink, it's just sort of giggle-inducing. I don't know why. Yeah. It's not even a word, right? It's just, it, I, don't I don't know. know. It's, That's all it's that happened. Sorry. Funny, though, you know? <laughs> Yeah. Um, so he's the prison warden at the time, uh, spoke to the inmates through the intercom system. He attempted to de-escalate the situation and assured the prisoners that they wouldn't be hurt. He sent former Black Pea Stone member Herbert Cadillac Catlett to negotiate. Um, Cadillac was a reformed member and had long uh, since begun cooperating with the authorities. He was murdered by the Stones. <laughs> the warden later came out to speak to the rioters and delivered a speech to the organizing inmates while standing in a pool of Cadillac's blood. The situation hmm. was resolved shortly afterward, which means that he probably did something kind of sketchy and probably shouldn't have done, but at least it calmed the situation down. Yep. We're going to go with that. Yeah. Um, uh, so it says, um, in the 1990s, the population of Juliet was around 1,300. Uh, conditions were unsafe and unsanitary given the standards expected of a modern-day prison. In 2002, Illinois Governor George Ryan closed the prison for what he said were budgetary measures. <laughs> um, in the years Did you after, say 2002. Yeah. Wow. Okay. Um, it says in the years after its closure, vandals brought graffiti and occasional fires to the old prison. Um, after a decade and a half of neglect, the city of Joliet took control of the property. They enlisted the help of the Joliet Area Historical Museum to turn the old prison into a public works project. This culminated in a 6,000-hour, million-dollar restoration project that turned the old prison into a museum. Um, the old Joliet prison opened for tours in 2018. Um, it says, executions were conducted on site, and sometimes they were gory. Um, hundreds were killed by electrocution or lethal injection on the grounds of Joliet Prison. And countless other inmates were murdered by inmates or simply died of disease or old age. Needless to say, many who enter the prison have felt some supernatural phenomena. The gothic architecture, aging infrastructure, and the simple knowledge that death lurks at every turn are enough to keep most tourists on their toes. <laughs> um, it says the Joliet prison has made its way to the big screen due to its notoriety and its supposed hauntedness, or hauntiness, I guess. <laughs> That's what it says. Um, the prison has made appearances in films like White Heat, Blues Brothers, and Let's Go to Prison. <laughs> um, it's also been on several TV shows, including a sketch on Saturday Night Live, Prison Break, and Bones. Um, oh. The prison was also featured as a haunted location on Ghost Adventures in an episode centered on serial killer John Wayne Gacy. 
Ooh, I guess I need to watch that. You just, you ticked all my boxes, but like Coast Adventures, <laughs> Gacy, like, yeah, I'm going to do it. I'm going to do it. I'll find out all the shit. I will keep you updated on that nipple belt. Okay. <laughs> I'm good. I, I just, you know, I, I know it exists. That's all I need to know. <laughs> <laughs> I need someone to share the horror with. It's okay. I understand. I mean, we could talk about it, but like, I don't really need I to- won't send you any pictures of it. Don't worry. Like, I mean, it's not like it would, like, creep me out or anything. It's just kind of like, ugh, you know? No, like, it's, it's creepy. It's gross. It's unmistakably nipples. Oh, like, that's weird. It's, yeah, like, no, no. <laughs> I don't need I don't need to see a picture of it ever again. Yeah. 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 But, like, no, he made, like, lampshades and, and stuff like that. Yeah. Yeah, have skin, you know, parts. I mean... People make leather stuff like that, but usually not human leather. It's usually cow or, you know, right? usually cow, I guess. But there's others. <laughs> True. Yeah. Um, yep. Anyway. Okay. <laughs> um, what was your Idjadraspa moment from this week? Okay. So Killian's birthday party, which was, you know, over a month ago, um, we had it at his karate dojo. I think I said that all already, but um, as we were sort of getting all the stuff we needed, you know, to bring there, like, um, you know, they were going to handle, you know, the facility was handling like the food and drinks and stuff. So we were just like, mm-hmm. you know, we need cake. We need, they, they were also doing like goodie bags and some like tablecloths and all the plates and everything. So, mm-hmm. um, you know, we didn't need to really do much. Just like, you know, balloons, a little bit more decor. Mm-hmm. Um you know, and I was like, well, you know, let's bring, since the kids are going to do like karate and like, you know, gym, you know, PE kind of games, you know, yeah. for like two hours straight, like yeah. let's bring water for everybody, like bottles of water. And, mm-hmm. um, and you know, we weren't really sure how many kids were going to show up. We were kind of planning on 30 and that includes like, um, you know, siblings who may show up unexpectedly, you know, that type of thing. Yeah. Right. So, you know, we'll plan for 30 kids. Um, and, you know, and I, maybe I should have, you know, on the invitation been like, oh, bring a bottle of water. But I was already like, hey, kids need to wear like active wear and stuff. I don't want to have like too many, you know, and like, yes, they have water fountains there. But I was like, we'll just bring some bottles of water. It's not a big deal. Right. Like, yeah. And there would have been a lot of leftover water bottles that got. Right. You know, the whole thing was just like, we can just forgotten. bring some water. Like we don't, we're not even paying for like all the soda or whatever. I mean, it's part of the package, sure, but it was fairly inexpensive. Yeah. So, okay. Yeah. So, you know, Eric and I are trying to figure out, well, how much water would a kid need for two hours of karate, right? Like, mm-hmm. and uh, so we're, we've settled on like, you know, there may be what, like with parents and stuff, maybe 50 people. And then, mm-hmm. you know, kids, like all of that will even out maybe like, Maybe like, I don't know, two bottles of water for everybody. You know, the kids will drink more or less. Maybe there'll be some extra for parents if they want whatever, right? Yeah. Okay, right. Eric, um, he kind of fought this a little bit. And that's okay, you know. All right. So I, I you know, explained my case. And I just want to interrupt myself and say that I am, again, not calling Eric an idiot or an ass but, but this was just a moment that we had. <laughs> okay. <laughs> okay. Um, anyway, so he goes to the store and he comes back and he's like, I got, I got the water bottles. I got the right amount. Okay. I don't quite like, great. That's awesome. Thank you. Like they're still in the trunk of the car, whatever. We'll get them out later. A couple of days later, I see these bottles by the front door and yes there's a lot of them but they are the little half bottles 
Oh. And I was like, uh, oh. he's like, oh, they, these were on sale. So that's why I got, but he got the amount we had agreed on. But it's half, half the, the amount, amount of water. Yeah. <laughs> half the amount of water, Rochelle. He did not understand. <laughs> he was really upset that I was like, well, you have to go get this amount again then this is yeah. what you want to give people it's like this is going to be one water break like what and he was like he was really upset <laughs> but like <laughs> what like <laughs> so so that happened i mean it was to to I be mean, look, fair it was water bottles and it was the amount that you wanted <laughs> yes that is absolutely now we true. know we have to be specific about the size <laughs> It was just a whole, like, what? <laughs> what? <laughs> but but and then I explained, and he was like, oh, yeah, obviously. Okay. So then, I mean, that was sort of the end of it. But then I went out and bought the right amount of regular-sized water bottles. And I came home from that experience, and he had also bought the right amount of those size water bottles and we just <laughs> totally met. so then we just have so much fucking water <laughs> I mean that's fine we're good for it you know it's not like yeah. no one's ever gonna drink it but it was just like a whole like what's happening <laughs> I did not expect this to go this yeah. way yeah I would say that was the only kind of hiccup with the the party planning and the whole execution of it too like everything else went super smoothly and and awesome so yeah. I guess I'll, I'd rather have it be that than like, oh, we forgot to order the cake or whatever. So, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so it all went fine. It was just like, a, um, what? What? Am I going? Like, uh, it made me feel like uh, I was a little crazy. Like, like <laughs> I you swear and, we talked about this. Yeah. <laughs> yeah like, anyway. Yeah. Okay. So that's it. <laughs> what was your interesting moment? <laughs> oh, so I think, I don't remember if I talked about it on the podcast or just with you, but, um, so I think I briefly maybe mentioned on the podcast that Maisie had been like running around and like hit her head or something like that. Uh, I think we talked about it. I don't think okay. it was on the podcast. Yeah. Okay. So backstory. <laughs> <laughs> In our kitchen, you have to go through like our kitchen to get to our garage. And that's where people come in and out, mainly mm -hmm. me and Travis, because that's where we park. And yeah. so... Maisie, as I was going to open the refrigerator door, which is right in that path, decided that there was somebody at the back door and she needed to run full steam ahead to figure out who it was. Oh, no. As I'm opening up the refrigerator door, right, she just smacks her head and, like, kind of crunches into it, right? Oh. Like, the whole, like, body smush, you know? <laughs> like, yeah. And then, like, immediately wandered off and just laid down and was like... Oh, yeah. And of course, it was really comical. So I felt kind of like an ass wet for like laughing at her, right? But, you know, okay, fine. She seemed to be okay. She was a little stunned for a little bit, but then was fine. Mm -hmm. So, like a couple days later, as we're podcasting, I think this is when I was talking to you about it, she looked like she had a black eye, right? Because <laughs> her mm -hmm. eye was all puffy and like under, like one side of like under her eye, kind of like on her nose, was puffy. And I'm like, okay, you know, like. I would think that this would have showed up sooner rather than later. Like, not sure what's up with her. And she's just acting kind of slow and, like, not mm -hmm. really with it, you know? Well, okay. So, I'm going, like, okay, maybe, like, Steve finally was just, like, I've had enough and scratched her. And she, her eye got puffy or something. And, like, mm -hmm. good for Steve, you know, finally mm -hmm. standing up for himself. Yeah. Okay. Well, no. So, Travis gets home and he's, like, oh, no, she ran into the door. And I'm, like, 
Oh, so that's the second time then. <laughs> She's oh. running into the door. He didn't say anything more than that, so I don't know if he, he like what the situation was when she ran into the door the second time. But yeah. like must have hit it hard because it was hard enough to give herself a black eye on top of the already like dizzying, you know, like yeah. hit the first time. And so I'm like, oh my gosh. And for a while, like for a few days, was like not quite right probably concussed right like (laughs) she's fine now but for it was so strange because and I think on top of it she had gotten like a couple of fleas and by a couple I mean like we gave her a flea bath and there was two fleas that came off of her right so yeah like whatever but it was kind of like a whole mix with that because you know she's first her eye and her nose was puffy and then like both of her eyes were puffy and then like her whole face was kind of puffy and she had hives mm. on her nose and it was like oh. she had scratched when it was bleeding. And like she woke up one morning and one, I mean, she's a German shepherd, her ears stick up and one morning and one ear was just completely flopped off to the side. And I was like, she's losing function. Like, mm-hmm. I think she's actually like, she must've done some serious brain damage. She can't even hold her ears up, you mm-hmm. know? And like, you know, then the morning after that, both ears were down. But by the end of the day for both times, her ears were back up again. So I'm like, okay, mm. you know, like, Clearly, it's just a morning time flop. Like, I don't know. <laughs> yeah. You know, I don't get it. But, yeah, um, I think she was, like, having, a, amidst all the potential concussion stuff, which I'm pretty sure she had a concussion, mm-hmm. there was also, like, flea stuff, or I'm pretty sure that's what, like, most of the puffy was, and, like, the ear puffy and all that, because her ears weren't just flopping. They were, like, a little bit swollen and like inflamed and like kind of red on the underside. But like Mm -hmm. by the end of the night, they were totally fine. Mm -hmm. So I don't know. It was like a whole thing, but I was like, I'm pretty sure she's not okay. (laughs) Because she's a big old idiot and can't control her body and just decides to run full steam into stuff, even if it could kill her, you know, like, Mm -hmm. yeah, she was that, that, that was my moment of like a good (laughs) week of going, I think the dog might be past, saving you know like she might have some serious brain damage oh, you know? but she's okay now nothing no, she's totally fine now you know she got yeah. a flea bath she's not itching anymore her ears have been standing up <laughs> yeah that's so and, funny you know, like, morning she's flop. Not, like weirdly sluggish so you know mm-hmm. yeah but that, See, that was my this mom. is one of the reasons I can never have a pet like thank god Eric is allergic to them because otherwise like any little thing I you know me being like a total hypochondriac I'm like she blinked funny like we're taking her to the vet and like Eric was just like I can't fucking afford like to take any pet to the vet as much as you're gonna think they need to go so yeah which 100% is true yeah I'm not gonna deny it yes and I'm I am relieved honestly that we do not because it would just be so exhausting and anxiety causing for me just to be like yeah. ah, the dog's not okay like we better go like she sneezed yeah. it's the end you know like yeah. <laughs> no one wants to live like that so he'd do that and the yeah. dog would constantly have Benadryl in its system and just be like Bleh, you know <laughs> oh yeah it just wouldn't it wouldn't be great so yeah so oh well I'm glad she's okay very oh, glad she's fine she's just an idiot so yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> she's a cute idiot she's very cute <laughs> yeah <laughs> okay so this is a uh, post recording lynn that sounds weird <laughs> you're and still technically like, recording <laughs> oh, true. okay i uh i was like you know hey you know the whole like nipple belt 
serial killer clown combination doesn't feel right. And not that that would ever feel <laughs> right for anybody, but um, it, it, was feel right. yeah, it was niggling at me a little bit. They're like, maybe I don't think clown and nipple belt was the same guy. So I checked and yeah, I was totally wrong. It's Gein and not Gacy who did the, the nipple belt. So I apologize. Uh, a lot of people are really serious about their serial killer info. <laughs> And uh, I clearly, I clearly have a long way to go. So <laughs> I'm sorry, there, there is, there is an actual nipple belt guy. As I was, uh, as I was Googling this, I was like, okay, I'm going to just type in, you know, serial killer nipple. And that is exactly like it finished for me. It filled in the line of nipple belts. And, uh, you know, it's a pretty common search, I guess. So so, which is yeah. kind of disturbing, but also kind of funny, I guess. I guess. Time. I mean, yeah. I mean, there's nothing funny about a nipple belt. No. But <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Still though, like yeah. it's funny that it's a pretty popular search. It is. Yeah. So, anyways, <laughs> I uh, I just wanted to to uh, do that before anyone sent us a bunch of unkind emails about my lack of knowledge so <laughs> well Sorry. you could have fooled me because I have no idea about any of them so you know there's that I know somewhat about the Green River Killer because hey Local. he was I used to live next to the Green River so you know yeah right there's right. that but <laughs> so anyway that's it thanks guys <laughs> thanks well, thank you for listening to our podcast. You can email us at idgesandaspetspodcast at gmail.com. The word and is spelled out. You can also find us on Facebook and Instagram under Aspects, a supernatural podcast. Please make sure to rate and review us on iTunes and email us your idgesandaspet moments for a chance to hear your story on our podcast. Thanks again. Thank you.